Um, this is actually pertinent to last week's Parsha, but I liked it so much I, I want to say it. So the Gemara says in Tractate Horios on page 11b, Turn around on him. The rabbis taught us, Shemena Mishcha. Sha'asa Moshe Bamidbar. The anointing oil, which Moshe made in the desert. Hayashokimbo, and it says in the Pasuk, it says, Kidichsev, Rashi says, Kidichsev, Shemen Mishcha's Kodish Yezeli. I shall have an anointing oil to me. It says it in Exodus 30. So this that he Moshe made, he used to uh, boil the in it the ikarim. Rashi says oisim shrashim. There were roots. Shall be some of uh, fragrant smelling, uh, nice smelling roots. parsha that are enumerated in the parsha. It says, more drawer you shall take for yourself the following spices, and it tells you what the spices are, or the, the roots of those spices. So what he used to do is he took the oil and he boiled it in the spices. Boil shokin boy That's how they, that's how they were made. They were boiled with hot water. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, fine. Rabbi Yossi says, he disagrees. It's not true. Because if you would actually produce it that way, if you would take the spices and you would, and you would cook them with the oil, then the, spice, the roots of the spices would absorb the oil to the point where the oil would disappear and the, and the mixture would no longer be a liquid and you wouldn't be able to use it to anoint. Did he grind it? Maybe? No, this is what Rabbi Yossi says. He says, you cannot boil. He says to Rabbi Yehuda, you cannot boil it because if it just in the, in, the, in the roots, because if you boil it in the roots, then the roots will absorb. There's not enough liquid. It'll absorb the oil and then there won't be any oil left. Ella, what do they do? Shorim asayikorim b'mayim. First, they would Soak the roots in water. The cooking class tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Soak the roots in water. And then he would pour the oil on it. Then it would absorb in it the oil. But the water would be an interposition in between the roots and the And the oil. And so then the oil would now have the, as Rashi explains, the oil would have the smell of the spices in it, but it would not get absorbed into the roots of the spices. That's the way you should make it in order to make sure that it still stays a liquid, that the oil does not get absorbed. Fine. Amalur Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says to him, neis echad nasa mishcha. Says Rabbi Yehuda, what do you mean? I don't agree with you. I still hold my position. No water is used. What are you going to say that it absorbs, that the oil gets absorbed? I don't care. It was a miracle. It was a nace. It happened miraculously. They cooked the oil in the spices and the oil did not get absorbed. And you're going to say to me, you're going to say to me that it was a miracle? 
That wasn't the only miracle that happened to the anointing oil. He says, First it was 12 log, which is a measurement. And the oil was used to anoint the tabernacle, its vessels, Aaron, his sons, all the seven days of the inauguration of the Mishkan. And none of it was used up because it's all going, it was all saved for the future when Mashiach comes. It says in the Pasuk, The oil of anointing of, of holiness will be for me for generations. So says Rabbi Yehuda, I don't care. All these miracles happened to the oil of the anointing. They used it. It was never used up. It was saved. It, 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 was saved. it, 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 it uh, endures until Mashiach comes. And it was used all seven days of the inauguration and all these type items on all on the kahanim, on the on the vessels, on the tabernacle itself. So another miracle is not going to hurt it. So they made it uh, the the spices together with the oil, and the oil did not get absorbed. What? If they use the same oil and during the first yeah, that the Gemara discusses. Yeah, it was it's the oil endured until Mashiach came, until they hit it. So now. The question is, okay, so we have the dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi about how the oil was cooked, how it was made, how it was produced, the anointing oil, in order to be used to uh, inaugurate all of the things that needed to be Kodesh, all the things that needed to be holy. We have this dispute. Rabbi Yehuda holds that the whole process was miraculous. Rabbi Yossi holds, no, the beginning process of the production was not miraculous. It was done naturally. The rest of it was miraculous. The question for us is this evening is, what's the dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi? What do we care? If the whole thing is miraculous or it's not miraculous, what difference does it make? Who cares if, the, if, it, if it's a one miracle or ten miracles or no miracles? What, 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 what's the difference? Regarding the soil, that's our question. Fine. So perhaps maybe you can explain it like this. The, uh, the Torah comes to Noyach, the Hashem comes to Noyach, and he says to him, I want you to go build an ark. And you're gonna, what you're gonna, I'm gonna flood the whole, I'm gonna flood the world, and I'm gonna destroy all the people that walk the face of the earth. We mentioned this before. Mm-hmm. And you put all the animals, you take all the animals, you put them into the ark, and you and the animals will survive when the world will uh, reconstitute itself or recalibrate itself and the water will dissipate. You'll come out with all the animals from the ark. Fine. Tells him the dimensions of the ark. Tells him how long he should spend in building it. And Nayak makes it. Fine. The ant takes the animals. The animals go into the ark. Comes out after the, everything dissipates. Everything is all good. So the Ramban asks... The ark was not big enough for all the animals. There are so many species of all kinds of different animals that it's impossible that after you measure out the whole ark, the way that the Torah wants it to measure out in the most, uh, in the most um, gratuitous way, it's not going to fit the whole entire animal kingdom. 
So obviously the ark must have fit the animals as a miracle. It must have been a nace. Because otherwise it wouldn't fit them at all. So if that's the, right? Because otherwise, I mean, how do, how do the animals go in if it wasn't miraculous? The ark doesn't fit the animals. Could have been a little bit of a story, you know. What? Could have been a story, you know, might Right, but we're assuming it's not a story. Let's say it's not a story. Even within the story, let's say it's not a story. I mean, it is a story, but let's say it's not. Even within the story, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Within the story, the ark doesn't fit the animals. Then what are you making the ark? What are you making the... So asks the Ramban, what do you have to make an ark for? If it's not going to fit the animals anyway, so make a matchbox. It can fit into the matchbox. If you're making a miracle anyway... What's the difference what the size of the ark is? Well, the case of Noah is to buy time. What? In the case of Noah... Wait, wait, wait. Fine, you hear the question, though. You hear the question. The question is, is that what do you... If the ark doesn't fit the animal, so what do you have to spend time building it for? To show everybody around... Fine, fine. That's what you're saying. Let's leave it for a minute. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, the answer. But you hear the question. What are you you making? It doesn't fit anyway, so make a matchbox. It won't fit. So they will they'll walk the elephants walk in the matchbox the same way they walk into the ark. Maybe we're talking about it's too much of a huge miracle to have a matchbox. But if it's the dimensions of the ark, it's like makes more sense to have the animals. Okay, very good. So amongst us we got the two answers. Ramban says two answers. One answer he says is Is that yeah, you're right. Right, you're right. There's no reason to make the ark at all because the whole thing was a nice anyway. It was a miracle. So why did why did he make an ark for? So that the like you said, so the people should come and say, Noya, what are you doing? I'm making an ark. Why are you making an ark? Because Hashem is going to destroy the world unless you do tshuva. They want the ark is not to fit the animals. It's to give the people an opportunity to do tshuva. So they should ask. Should say Noach, what are you doing? So Noach should be able to answer and say, Hashem is going to destroy the given the opportunity to do tshuva. That's one answer the Ramban says. Now the second answer the Ramban says, like you say, the second answer the Ramban says is that is that Hashem wants to minimize the miracle as much as possible. Doesn't want to make a big miracle. The small the smaller the miracle, the better. So if you make a matchbox, you're making a big miracle. If you make a big ark, the bigger the ark, the less a miracle it is. At least it should look a little bit like it fits the animals. Should fit one animal or two animals. Should fit a couple of animals. It's not going to fit all the animals, but to make a matchbox, that's already Hashem doesn't want to do that. He wants to minimize the miracle as much as as much as he can. What? Plus, people must make efforts to do and work towards that goal. He doesn't say that, but okay, he doesn't. Say, he doesn't say that, but okay, let's say that too. So it's also a miracle enough that none of the animals eat each other. There'll be a miracle they won't eat each other. <laughs> they won't eat each other. You know? <laughs> yeah, they won't no, eat each no, other. No, ate the animals. He was hungry. <laughs> Whatever. So, uh, oh, these are the two answers that he gives. One answer he gives is that to give the opportunity to people to do tshuva. And the other answer is, he says, is to... Is to um, is what? Is it to minimize the miracle as much as, much as you can? Okay. So now let's say like this. The answer that says that he should minimize the miracle as much as he can holds that Hashem wants to minimize the miracle as much as he can. The answer that says that it's in order to give the opportunity to people to do tshuva 
doesn't hold that Hashem wants to minimize the miracle as much as he can because then that's how he would have answered. The answer, say, the answer that says that it's in order that they should ask, what are you, what are you building the ark for? Why didn't that answer give an answer that it's because Hashem wants to minimize the miracle? Because he doesn't hold that answer. He holds it doesn't matter. Noach could have made a matchbox. The reason why he didn't make a matchbox is because he wanted the people to tshuva. But if it wasn't an issue for the people to do tshuva, then, then he would have made a matchbox. Yeah. Now the answer that says that Hashem wants to minimize the miracle as much as he can. Why are we treating the uh, answers as exclusive? Because for, for our purposes we're doing it. <laughs> I mean, naturally they're exclusive because they're saying a different answer. Why Not, can't they both, uh, why, why can't they be incorporated in each other? Why can't they say that both? Because uh, it's simpler that way. You can, it's simpler that way for logic. In logic you say that what you say one answer, you don't hold the other answer. You could say your way, but for our purposes, we're saying this way. Now, the answer that says that he's given the opportunity, wait, which one we, uh, the, the answer that says they're given the opportunity to do it doesn't care if we make the miracle small or big, it doesn't matter. Hashem wanted to give an opportunity to tshuva. The answer that says that he wanted to, he, that he, well, Hashem wants to make the miracle smaller, bigger, he didn't want necessarily to give an opportunity to do tshuva. Because they hadn't done the opportunity, they hadn't taken the opportunity to do tshuva, they were already far gone, the world was going to get destroyed, that was a fait accompli, and finished. So both the answers, according to our purposes, are mutually exclusive of each other. Okay, fine. So far, so good. It's not the miracle that's going to make him do tshuva. It's the knowledge that Hashem is going to destroy the world. This is what my Rebbe, Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg, used to say. Uh, my Rebbe, Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg, used to say that, uh, you know, the whole story with Elio, Har Carmel. Elio had... Uh, um, Eliyahu had an issue with the with the with the priests of the Baal of the of the idol called the Baal, so he challenged them to a duel. Eliyahu and Nabi challenged them to a duel. He said, "We're gonna go to Har Carmel and we're gonna bring carbonis. We're gonna bring sacrifices, and to whomever the fire comes down from the Shemayim from the heavens and accepts the sacrifices, that's the true prophet. I'll bring my sacrifices. You bring your sacrifices." And we'll see who, and we'll see who, so who the, 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 the fire will come down. So they brought their sacrifices, and no fire came. And then he brought his sacrifice, a fire came down from Shamayim, and consumed it all. Elio was the hero, and the, 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 the priests of the Baal were, 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 were the losers of the day. But yet they wanted to kill him. But then, then the, the queen, Izebel Amalka, she said to him, Eliyahu, tomorrow I'm going to kill you. So my Rebbe said, why does she have to send them a message to say she, they're going to kill him tomorrow? Just kill him. Don't even send them a message. Kill him today also. Why do you have to kill him tomorrow? 
So my Rebbe, Rebbe Yaakov Arbog, he said that she was sending a message. She said, oh, Elio, you made a, you made a Gavadaga miracle. A fire came down in Shemayim and everybody became from, and you got it, you got it all. You, you, you know, you're, you're, you're so popular. But tomorrow, everybody's going to forget about the miracle. And when they do, I'm going to kill you and nobody's going to kill you. Because miracles just last, Elio, for just one day. That's it. One day. So she was the first American politician. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 it's not the miracle that was making the do tshuva. It's that the Noyach was going to say to them, the Rabbanshim was going to destroy the world. You want to get into the ark? Or you want, or you want to stop it? You got to do tshuva. That's the reason why, according to this answer of the Ramban, according to this answer of the Ramban, he was saying he, he, uh, that, uh, that the reason why Noah had to spend time to build a, build, a, build a big ark is to get people's attention. If you make a matchbox, it wouldn't get people's attention in his house. If you build a whole big monstrosity, people walking by them. You know, if somebody goes to get milk at Walgreens uh, or a Safeway, they get some uh, fruits and whatever, they're walking by. This guy's building a boat, huge boat. Noah, what are you doing? The Rebbe is going to destroy the world. Oh, you're Meshigina. You're Meshigina. That's what the Rebbe wanted, to give them the opportunity. That's according to that answer. But the answer that says that he wanted to minimize the miracle doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't say that that's the reason why. So therefore we're saying it was a fair complaint. That's it. They were done. The decree was like the death penalty was meted out as it is when you're adjudicating a case and you have witnesses and you have uh in, you have a the, the, the rabbinical court decides finished uh, that answer holds that it was it wasn't there's was no opportunity for them all right might you say maybe yeah both whatever but we, for our purposes we want to say we want to separate the two for purposes of education for uh to make a point okay anyway these are the two answers that i'm by. so perhaps maybe we can say that the two answers of the ramban are the opinions of Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda that we mentioned before. Okay? Like this. Let's, let's review again what we said before. We said that Rabbi Yehuda held that what did they do with the oil that was anointed? They cooked it, they, they boiled it together with the, with the roots of the spices. So Rabbi Yossi said to him, what do you mean? If you're going to make the roots of the spices, then the oil will get absorbed in the spices. You have to add water. So Rabbi Yehuda said, what do you mean? That's the only miracle that happened with the, with the, with the, with the, with the oil of the, with, with, with the anointing oil. There are the miracles that happen. So therefore, I don't care if this miracle also, you boil it in the oil, it won't get absorbed. Don't worry about it. That's what Rabbi Yehuda said. So now what's the dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi? What, what did Rabbi Yossi answer Rabbi Yehuda when Rabbi Yossi, when Rabbi Yehuda said that? It must be that Rabbi Yossi was saying, one less miracle is better. I prefer to cook it with the water in a natural way, and then whatever miracles follow after that, I'm fine with that. And Rabbi Yehuda said, no. What says already miracles that are happening? I don't care how many miracles there are. There could be 20 miracles. There could be 30 miracles. So Rabbi Yehuda holds that once you have the miracles are going, you don't need to minimize them at all. 
Once it's lasting until Mashiach, once you're already overusing it, you can also bake it. You can also you can also boil it in uh, in in spices, and the, the oil won't get absorbed. Once you have already five, three miracles, you can have the other miracle also. Doesn't matter. Rabbi, uh, um, that's what that's what Rabbi Yehuda holds. Rabbi Yehuda holds no. The less miracles, the better. So therefore, we could say like this: we could say that the the Rabbi Yossi holds the less miracles, the better. Holds like the answer of the Ramban that holds that the reason why Noah had to make at least a a, a, a big a, a big ark was in order that they should minimize the miracle. Okay, not all the animals fit, but some of the animals fit. So the less miracle, the better. He holds like uh, what's his name? He holds like Rabbi Yossi. But the other answer that says that the reason why Noah was making the ark was in order to encourage people to do tshuva doesn't hold that you have to minimize the miracles like we said. Therefore, he holds like Rabbi Yehuda. So the dispute between, for our purpose, for education purposes, we're, we're postulating that the dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi regarding, regarding the oil of anointing is the, is the dispute between the two answers of the Ramban regarding why Noach was building the ark. Now why are we saying this? Why do we care? The reason is because as soon as, as long as the Ramban says two answers, so we could say he was postulating this. He was uh, theorizing. The Ramban was theorizing. Why did Noach build the ark? Maybe he built it in order to encourage people to do tshuva. Maybe he built it in order to, uh, uh, in order to minimize the miracle. Right, but now we see there's two Tanoim, there are two authors of a Mishnah, of a Brisa that hold this way. The Ramban's answers are rooted in the opinions that preceded him by a, a thousand years or more. So it's a source now for the two answers. And now we see we could say that it's a dispute between the two answers. We could say if, if you ever want to say it like that. All right. Anyway, so that that's uh, you, fine. A dispute. Yeah, why not? That's what we deal. We're always dealing with that. We have to the Gemara. The Gemara was compiled in 200 CE, and the Ramban wrote his the Ramban wrote his commentary in the in the 13th century. Yeah, but isn't it the more you're closer to Sinai, the the better your brain works and the better godly divine you are blessed with? Yeah, the Ramban is using that. The, his opinion. What, what's the what's the uh, authenticity? of the answers of the Ramban regarding why Noah built the, uh, the Ark. Maybe the authenticity lies in this Moran Horios on page 11b, in the dispute of Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda that took place a thousand years before him. Maybe the whole thing's above me, myself. <laughs> now let's ask the question like this. Let's just make this uh, uh, a little bit more interesting. Why in the world would I want to minimize the miracle or not minimize the miracle? Why do I care if the miracle is mem uh, uh, minimized or not? Uh, what effect does it have? When Noach builds a, an ark, what effect does it have on the people or the readers of the Chomish on whether it's a matchbox or a big ark that fits the animals, it doesn't fit the animals, what difference does it make? Whether the miracle is minimized or not minimized, who cares? That's question number one. Question number two is if we have an answer to that, one minute. If we have an answer to that, of why you should minimize a miracle or not minimize a miracle, why would anybody disagree with that? Because Rabbi Yehuda holds that it doesn't matter whether you minimize the miracle or not. Rabbi Yehuda holds that it does matter whether you minimize the miracle. So what does Rabbi Yehuda hold? Why do you have to minimize? But why does Hashem care? What interest does he have that a miracle should be 
<coughs> minimize. And why does Rabbi Yehuda disagree? What? Um, I would think that it's because it shows that Hashem's not doing everything for us. It's showing that we as a nation are trying to fulfill God's needs and do what He says, and we're putting our effort into what we have to do instead of just Him doing everything for us. Which question are you answering? What What are you saying? What um, sure, why you want to minimize the miracle? To, to answer to. But I wonder which question is it. Which question is it? Why are we minimizing the miracle? Uh, why Why you would want to minimize the miracle? Why you would not? Yeah. And why is that? Because you want to, like you said before, you want to show you want to show that you're putting an effort into that. Now, so what is that? How is that going to answer of why Hashem wants to minimize the miracle or not? Like in a way that. He doesn't want it to be that he's making this huge miracle, like fitting all the animals and everything into that matchbox. He wants to show that even if he's making a miracle, it's not like a huge miracle like that. It's um, the uh, there's no, participation. Thinking, there's participation from the human beings. Yeah. Right. There is a, a partnership between the godly pursuit. And, 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 and the human being's pursuit. Okay, that's, that's a positive way to look at it. We're going to look at it in a negative way. But that's very good. Excellent. What? What do you say, David? The only thing is, though, the people don't do Teshuvah, correct? They end up not doing Teshuvah. The so people do not end up doing Teshuvah, yes. Okay, so in essence, the miracle, whether, whatever it was, was really not for those people. That was, like, in other words... It didn't cause him to do tissue. Again, the miracle, again, you're harping on the same point. The miracle was not the point to make them do tshuva. Remember the story we said with Eliyahu Navi. There was no point in a miracle to make them do tshuva. Right. It was an opportunity to give them tshuva. To do an opportunity that they did not take. That they right? did not take, yes. So this idea of minimizing the miracle, right? Either way, it was a miracle. Whether we, whether we said the answer that holds about minimizing the miracle has nothing to do with them doing tshuva. Right, but, but the story itself then has nothing to do with those people. It has to do with something else other than those people. Maybe our discussion now is what it's for. But well, it's it, has not it's more, the, it has to do with the lesson of the fact of the opportunity given and rejected. Right, so it wasn't for them, right? So it must be for someone. It, it, it was for them. You're right, you're right. The there is, a, the, the way that Hashem has arranged the world, the way that it should look to us as human beings, is what we're dealing with. And that is Hashem wants to minimize any miraculous phenomena that appears in our eyes. He doesn't want it to be, should be miraculous. He wants the world, right? That's, I mean, that's, that's, that is what Rabbi Yossi is saying. He wants the world to go, like the Gemara says at the end of Abedizar, he wants the world to go like it you goes naturally. He doesn't want miraculous things happening. Okay. Obviously, that's what we see. That's the position of Rabbi Yossi. And we're asking why. Why is it that he wants it like that? So, again, I'm, I hope I'm probably on a tangent here, but in essence, then, everything's a miracle because they, their observation of it looks natural, right? Well, our, our observation... Good, you're saying good. Everything's good. good. We're going to say... You, today, today, everybody's like... You, you're hitting me like... Uh, no, 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 today, straight no, up. No, everybody's no, like no, uh, anticipating the next step in the class. Saying good, Rabbi David. So, yeah, that, wait, one minute. Wait a minute. We're going to get to that. All right. 
Fine. So now, apparently, apparently, the Maral says in his Netzach uh, uh, Israel, his Hagdama's introduction to the book called Netzach Israel, the Eternity of the Jewish People. Who's Maral? Is that Lozano? Rabbi Loi, Rabbi Yehuda Loi. Oh. No, that's not Rabbi Lozano. No shortage of rabbi. Right. This is a famous rabbi. This book deals with the with the uh, the second uh, Gaulus, the second um, exile of the Jewish people post. Yitzhiyas uh, Mitzrayim, post the exodus uh, from Egypt. So in, in his introduction, he says, apparently he says, that Hashem wants the world to look like there is cause and effect. You push something, it moves. You flip a light switch, it turns on. He wants there should be a cause and there should be an effect. That's the way he wants it because he wants the world to be masked from his reality. He doesn't want that the human beings should automatically perceive Hashem's involvement. He wants the world to look like it's cause and effect natural. Free will. Rabbi Tatz, yeah, in order, why? So because if a person would see Hashem straight up, then the free will would be taken away. Because then if you see that Hashem is acting, so then, how, then you, don't, you, you don't believe that you have any power. And Hashem is going to get involved. There's no free will. And that's what Rabbi Tatz explains, that the word nature means, in Hebrew is teva, which also means to be teveya. To, it comes from the word drown. Nature drowns out the supernatural, but it also is the root word of the word matbeya, which is, means a coin, which means an imprint, which means that you see Hashem's uh, imprint on the world. It's, you, it's like the it's yeah. It's a stamp. Like it's like the chovis alavavis, the the duties of the heart about the person who walks in the desert and finds a watch and he sees. He, he concludes that the watch must have been made by somebody. It must have been designed. The design theory that the philosophers discuss. A person should have free choice, says Rabbi Tatz. Based upon this morale, a person should have free choice to choose to look at the world and say that the world is natural, it's cause and effect, or the world is, su is supernatural, it's not cause and effect, it is governed by Hashem. And that's like Rabbi David said, the, the, um, the, uh, the Ramban at the, the, at the end of his commentary on Parsha's bow explains that the whole reason why we have miracles is to teach us that the all that that it's to teach us that everything in life is miraculous. Not only are the ten plagues a miracle, the splitting of the Red Sea is miraculous, but everything is miraculous. Even when the ocean goes as it goes, it's miraculous. The miracle teaches us that the non-miracle is a miracle. The miracle shows us the matbeah, it shows us the coin, it shows us the imprint of Hashem's hand, so to speak, on the universe. Even when we don't see it, meaning when the world is natural without the miracle, we see in the, in, in, in the drowned cause and effect, we see that Hashem is also involved. The miracle teaches that the non-miracle is also a miracle. Everything, everything is a miracle. That's the reason why you have a miracle. The miracle is to teach you, if you so choose to be taught, the miracle is to teach you that, the, that, that, that everything in life is a miracle. The fact that our heart beats, the fact that the sun comes up every single morning. The fact that the trees grow. The fact that our children come out normal from the womb. Uh, 
the fact that I'm sitting here. Whatever, <laughs> right? Every, everything is a miracle. The, 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 how do we know that? From the, from, the, from the miracles themselves. The miracles are supposed to teach us that. But the, but the world is supposed to appear natural. Cause and effect. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the, the facade that Hashem wants that they should be so that people will be able to have free choice to choose to do whatever they want so that they can earn their success. And perhaps maybe we could say that that is the opinion of the Ramban's answer and the Rabbi Yossi's position. Why does Hashem want to minimize the miracle as much as possible? The reason why He wants to minimize the miracle as much as possible because the more you minimize the miracle, the more of a chance that a person will have free choice and say it wasn't a miracle. There was no Harsinai. Right? Spaceship came down from, from, uh, from, from space and gave it over in loudspeakers. There was no Harsinai. There was no spaceship. There were mushrooms. They ate the mushrooms and they all got high and they were, they were lying. They were... Lying down on the mountain and was like, oh, cool, let's make black boxes all leather and put it on our heads. Let's make black boxes and put them on our heads. We'll make them out of leather, out of hide of an animal. We'll make it hard. They all got, you know, people should have an opportunity to say, Kriyasyam, the Rabbanisham didn't really split the ocean. What happened was that once in a thousand years, there is a uh, confluence of all the winds in a, in a specific position and speed with the atmosphere and the temperature. And when they come together, the ocean splits. It happens once every thousand years. And it happened. It just happened to happen when the Jewish people were there. Statistically speaking, it happened to happen when they were walking through there. And right when the guy had put his... Yeah. Yeah, and as soon as they walked out, the whole thing was uh, uh, unraveled and it drowned the Egyptians. What, how unlucky can you get? I mean... Uh, people should have... The Rabbanishon wants to minimize the miracle as much as that possible. You, you understand. That I do understand, yes. The Rabbanishon wants to minimize the miracle as much as possible. So people should have the opportunity to say, it wasn't really Hashem. It, 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 it was, you know, it was what it was. What, am I, uh, what do I know? It was what it was. So that's why, the Rabbi, that's why Hashem wants to minimize the miracle because he wants to... Uh, Rabbi Yossi holds. He wants to... Uh, Continue with the facade so that people should have a free choice, so that people should still learn. So the miracle should not destroy. Rabdav, you hear? The miracle is not made for them to choose to do tshuva. The miracle is to teach them that the whole life is miraculous, but also at the same time, it can't destroy their, their, um, their uh, emotional, or whatever, psychological equilibrium, a way they feel like they're choosing the right thing to do. So are we now saying then that there's no distinction between an open and a closed miracle? Uh, it's just like... It's the Ramban says it's free. Yeah, he says it straight up. Read it inside, the Ramban. He says straight, there's no difference between a closed and an open miracle. Uh, so it's just a matter of degree. Yeah, read the strife for the truth of Rabbi... Rabbi... Rabbi, Rabbi uh, what's his name? Rabbi... Uh, the Mikhtav Melial. Rabbi, Rabbi Dessler. Read the first volume, the article on Nesva Teva. Nature and... Miracle. And he'll tell you the same thing. I'll tell you. There's no, there's Why no. do we have the term if there's no distinction? He says, he asks that question. He says, what do we have a term for? He says, the term is only because we're used to it. If it, it, it. The term only means that we're used to it. It happens all the time. 
He says, you put a seed. He says, you put a seed in the ground. This is what he writes. This is not our topic right now. But he says, you put a seed in the ground. It decomposes completely. And then all of a sudden, it reconstitutes and goes into a tree. That's a, it lives for a hundred years, a huge massive tree. And, and, and nobody, and nobody becomes from. Nobody becomes religious and says, oh my God, there's got to be a God. But if they would see a body die, decompose, go into the ground, then reconstitute itself on a, a mensch, a person who will walk out of the ground, people would say, oh my God, there's, there's a Rebani Shalom. And what's the difference between the tree and the person? It's the same thing. He says, the difference is because we've never seen a person. We've never seen that happen with a person. But a tree, we see it happen all the time. That's the difference. In his mind, in his thesis, that's the difference between a miracle and non-miracle. Everything's a miracle by him. And so he's arguing that an open miracle is one to which you have not become desensitized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fine. Next. Okay. So, so now that's just uh, to conclude, really. Fine. So that's what Rabbi Yossi holds, right? That's what Rabbi Yossi holds. Now, Rabbi Huda, obviously, this is what we said already. Rabbi Huda disagrees. Rabbi Huda holds, once you have one miracle, you might as well have a, a minimum miracle. That doesn't make a difference. You don't have to minimize the miracles. Why not? So what does Rabbi Huda hold? Why doesn't he agree with Rabbi Yossi? It makes so much sense. It's so uh, logical. Right? And uh, why does he have to, what does he care? He, the, the oil is not going to last the way that it is for what it needs to be used for. So what do you have to add water to it? What difference does it make to you? You're still going to have to have miracles, like Rabbi Yehuda said, in order for, it to, for the oil to be, to, to, to have utility in the way that the Torah wants it to be used in order to anoint the high priest, the king, the, the kahanim, the, the, the vessels in the mishkan. So, so what, the, what do you, you want to make it in a natural way? It's going to have to be anyway a supernatural way. What do you care if you add water? You don't add water. Rabbi Yehuda is right. What, 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 is, what does Rabbi Yossi hold? Sorry, what does Rabbi Yehuda hold? No, we, we understand Rabbi Yossi holds. He wants to minimize the miracle. What does Rabbi Yehuda hold? Why doesn't he want to minimize the miracle? So we could, maybe we could claim, maybe we could say like this. Again, we mentioned the Ramban say. What does the Ramban say in Parsha's bow? The Ramban says that the miracle is meant, there's a purpose to a miracle. A miracle is meant to teach us that Hashem is in control of the world, and even the things that look to us to be natural with cause and effect are also miracles. Right? Mm -hmm. So perhaps maybe Rabbi Yehuda holds like this. Once, let, let's say it before we say it in Rabbi Yehuda, let's just say it in the, in the, in the ark. Right? The, you want to build an ark. So, so why, didn't you, you build, why didn't you make a matchbox? What's the difference? It doesn't fit the animals anyway. So the answer said, one of the answers we said, it says what? It's in order to encourage people to do tshuva. Not to encourage, sorry. To, to, to uh, give people the opportunity to do tshuva. Now that answer doesn't hold that you want to minimize the miracle, but why not? Should you minimize the miracle? No. He holds you could have made it into a matchbox. It wouldn't make a difference. No, could have not made it at all though. Or not even made it at all, right. So they would did. swim. Now, yeah, they would swim. Rabbi Walken says, why did the Jewish people have... Rabbi Walken in his, uh, in his Meitzachar, and he asks the question, why did the Jewish people have to... Uh, what, what do you need to create Yamsa for? Why do we even need to split the sea? The Jewish people should have walked straight through the water. It's no different than Yoyna. Yoyna, is, Yoyna jumped into the water, into the fish, whatever. So we should have walked right through the water. What do we need to split the sea for? So you're right, the animals. You need to make an ark at all. What do you need it for? So the answer is, the answer is, they hold. You're right. You don't need to make an ark at all. Once you're making a miracle to teach people 
that the whole, our whole existence is miraculous, then the lesson has to be taught. What, what, what do you need to minimize it for? You already made a miracle. So, so what do you need to minimize it? The whole purpose of the miracle's existence is, the, is, is already taking away the free choice momentarily. It's to show that even the, the non-quote-unquote miraculous nature of the world is also, is also miraculous. So therefore you can make a matchbox or not even a matchbox at all. You don't have to make anything. So therefore Rabbi Yehuda holds the, and, and that's the position of Rabbi Yehuda. Once the oil of anointing is a miraculous entity that has to endure until Mashiach, it has to be sufficient in order to anoint all of these people and all these vessels, what do you need to start off naturally with it for? It's going to be miraculous anyway. Make the whole thing a miracle. Because the whole purpose of the miracles is to teach us that everything, is, that everything natural is miraculous also. That's what he owns. What? Does it still need to be a tikkun? Yes, yeah, so boil so so boil it in the oil. It's a bo- take the so take the uh, take the take the uh, spices, the roots of the spices, cook them together with the oil, and whatever happens, happens. Okay, that's the dispute between Rabbi Yosi and Rabbi Yehuda, connected to the answers of the Rabbi. So, what's the lesson for us? The lesson for us is is that the lesson for us is is that uh, from the anointing oil, right? So the the kedusha of the anointing oil. Is, is to teach us is to teach us this principle that that we have free choice to do whatever we want. Hashem wants it that way. Hashem wants that we should have free choice, we should do whatever we want, and because because ultimately he wants us to accomplish the goodness that we are going to accomplish on our own, not with any gifts, not with any help, but on our own strength and our, our own ability to choose. But at the same time, uh once in a while, we have a window, like in the darkness, there's, you know, there is a, a flash of lightning and you could see for momentarily. Once in a while, there is a miracle that happens in Jewish history in order to, te- in order to teach us that, that, that behind the veil of this facade is, 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 Hashem, is, is, is Hashem is involved. And, 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 and the lesson is so minuscule and so small, even though it's gargantuan at the time that you experience it, that it still leaves us in Hashem's wisdom. It's able to leave us with the ability to still choose and decide on our own on how we want to see things and what our opinion about the things are. And so therefore it leaves us with the ability to be able to accomplish whatever we want to accomplish on our own terms and our own free choice. Yeah? One thing we talked about things very miraculous. The, the terminology is confusing to me because if if Hashem is an abs- the absolute, right, there is no reality other than Hashem, right? And in essence, nothing's really a miracle. Everything is natural from Him, right? There is no... So the only thing miraculous could be our perception of things or our ability to see things has a miraculous aspect to it. That's what Rabbi Desla claims. He claims that. Right, so, but from, in general, the expression of God's will within the world, if He's unchanged whether we exist or not, then there's nothing... There is nothing different going on. The only thing it could be is our awareness. So the miracle that he made us aware of something, right? That he, he showed us to look at... Yeah, so way. for our purposes, the way that we are presenting it is we're saying that something which is non-miraculous has nothing to... God has nothing to do with it. 
but in essence, everything is the same. We don't look at it that way. When we say that something is non-miraculous, we look at this world as an entity in of itself without a God at all. Yeah, but, it, but that's not a reality. In other words, In our perception, it is a reality, and we deal with it that way, yeah. We do, but that's not the reality, because what you're saying, though, is that it is miraculous. Like, everything from our perspective should be miraculous, right? So, in other words, we can see that we well, everything should be miraculous. It should be like, like you just woke up today, and you're on this planet, and you've never been here before. That would be the proper expression of what we're seeing and how things are functioning. The way we're experiencing it, for whatever reason, we're not seeing the miracle that, from our perspective, miracle or the expression of God's will. So the idea that things are miraculous or not is almost that argument to me doesn't mean anything because I can see something or I can't see something doesn't make it less miraculous. Whether I'm aware that I'm breathing and blood flowing through my thing and I can have conversation with people, that that seems from a human perspective, if we're truthful about that that's a completely miraculous thing from our perspective but if it's an expression of god's will there is no miracle in that that's an absolute that's a truth um and, and, yes and no because in our perception it is a reality what did you just say in our perception is let me give you an example not give you an example there are people out there that believe that people have no free choice there's such a thing they believe that they're conditioned by their environment. They believe that they have no free choice whatsoever. Predestined. What? They're predestined. Everything, yeah, everything predestined. Uh, what's his name? Uh, maybe Pavlov believes that, maybe. He believes that. There's people out there. Susan Blackmore. Uh, I don't know if she's a sophisticated enough philosopher to mention in, in, in that company, but whatever. She believes that. There are, there are, there are philosophers and psychologists that believe the human beings actually have no free choice whatsoever. They are, you know, they don't choose. They're conditioned by their environment or whatever, whatever, uh, whatever impulse, whatever um, uh, impulses they have. Now, if you take a person like that, you punch him in the face. Are they gonna call the police on the person that punched them in the face? Why? You have no free choice. I, I have no free choice. I punched you in the face. I have no free choice. I'm a product of my environment. What are you calling the police for? So we can keep because because I have no free choice in the matter either. If they were true to their belief, if they were true to their belief, they would not. Uh, they they would not call the police. But they pay lip service to something which they uh, probably don't believe, right? But it's an example of. Of, of, of a, of a, we live our lives like we have free choice. You can scream from today to tomorrow, there's no free choice. But we live our lives like we have free choice. We all believe it. That's why it doesn't, my, my Rebbe Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg said, that's why that doesn't have to be one of the, eth, one of the Rambam's uh, tenets of faith. Because a tenet means that you have to actually accept it on your own volition. There is a God. One of the tenets of faith is that there is a God. So I have to, I have to cognitively, uh, purposefully accept in my mind that there's such a thing as a God. And if I don't, there's no Judaism. That's why it's a tenant of faith. But I don't have to accept the fact that there is free choice. Why? Because that's the way I live my life. I've already accepted it. Everybody believes there's free choice. There's no such thing. They pay lip service to it, but they don't live their lives like that. But ultimately, do we believe that man has free Like, if God is... Yeah, we believe God, that God is free choice. And the Rambam says we have no answer to the whatever quagmire you want to bring up. 
somehow God, in the, in the laws of tshuva, the Rambam says, somehow God created the universe and gave us free choice, and that is the miracle of our existence. But he knows everything we're doing and controls everything. But, and we have no explanation. And the Rambam says we have no explanation for it. We don't know, but one thing we do know is that he tells us that we have free choice in the Tchumish and in the Talmud, and, 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 and therefore we have free choice. But the world's an expression completely of his will. There can't be anything else. Yeah, there is, there is a point of contradiction which is impossible for us as human beings to understand. Yeah. The Rambam acknowledges that and says that that's something that we have no answer for. But the two, that, that, is the, that is the miracle of, of our existence. But God gave us free choice. All right, sure. I don't even know one of them.